0: God is on mission to redeem a people from all peoples who will reflect his glory in all spheres of life. The Bible describes and confirms this mission from beginning to end. Woven into the creation of Adam and Eve, the mission extended to all nations through God's promise to Abraham. Jesus took up this same mission and taught it to his disciples. Today, those who follow Christ take on his mission. We were designed to reflect His glory in every sphere of life, not only in this present life, but in the life which is to come, throughout the heavens and the earth. Until then, will you give your life to God? Will you join His mission? Well, good morning, Northland. It's good to be with you. Um, it's a, uh, you know, it's a heavy weekend. I started uh, this yesterday at 5 p.m. And, uh, and it's just so hard to kind of come in and, and be my kind of, I say, jovial self because it's been, it's been a heavy week. When people ask, how'd you do through your first hurricane? And I'm almost guilty of like, well, it was fine. Huh. Um, we, we, we didn't really lose power, nothing really. Ha- but then you see pictures and then I even hear stories of what many of you have encountered. And it's just a heavy, it's just a heavy weekend. And I'm sure that many of you here, maybe you're engaging with this online. Like when you were singing the goodness of God or we were singing the goodness of God, it was really even hard for you even to say the words because maybe you're dealing with loss. And I know it's hard. And, uh, you know, there, 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 was, there was a thought that did cross my mind. It's like, well, maybe we just, you know, maybe we just cancel corporate gathering this weekend. But, but here's the thing, we need this. We need to be together. We need to attune our hearts to the goodness of God. Because over 2,000 years ago, here's what happened. Jesus, our King, He took on the cosmic hurricane of God's wrath. And he died for the sin of the world. He was buried, but he didn't stay buried because three days later he rose from the dead. And we serve a king who lives. That's why we sing the song, he's our living hope. And what better way to to gather in the wake of the disaster that that the state has encountered that other places Have encountered then to attune our hearts and our mind to our living hope king jesus who is in the process of relieving us from the penalty of sin he's in the process of restoring all things where we don't have to face hurricanes anymore where we don't have to face disasters anymore where we don't have to face disease and sickness anymore because he's making all things new so that's why like we, we couldn't cancel now, we, 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 had to, we had to shift things for our first and fifth graders because uh, we're going to have to be tackling that later on. Had some flood stuff come, come in. But where are my first and fifth graders at? Raise, raise your hand. Like, yeah, where were they at? Hey. You are loved by your pastor. I am so grateful that you are in here. And one of the things that I want you to know, first and fifth graders, is that next year in 2023, we have set aside a few weekends where we're having family worship because we want you to be part of our gathering because we are one big happy uh, family. And so, but I didn't bring any, you know, any games with, with me today because I wasn't anticipating you being in here. But church, I mean, we have been the hands and feet of Jesus over the last couple of days and we will be doing that continually over the next several weeks as we participate in the relief effort. So let me just share ways that we are involved and then ways that you can be involved. As many of you know, Northland has a disaster relief team and Seminole County has already been giving us projects for our disaster relief team. Now, the last couple of gatherings, I've been saying that these are our professionals, but then I got corrected, they're like, amateurs can be, can be involved in our disaster relief team too, Pastor Josh, because I kept on saying, I'm an amateur and I'm a semi-pro. And so I'm not there. And they're like, no, no, you can be a part. So, so even, even if you are someone who's not skilled in chainsaw or, you, you know, I don't even know what a chainsaw is. Um, I, I hear, I, I think I've seen what it, what it is, but I have an electric one in which I don't think that really is a chainsaw, but nevertheless, If you are skilled in that or if you're not skilled in that or tarping or uh, like you want to give to the disaster relief team of your time, you can go to the table out in the lobby and you can see Matt or Meg and they would love to sign you up on our disaster relief team. But then we also have other teams like cleanup teams. My family, they're already out now at a house and they're helping clean up. And so if you want to help in that way, you can go online and there is a form where you can sign up there to be part of cleanup efforts throughout the next several weeks. So not even just this weekend, but over the next several weeks, even the staff doesn't know this, but on Tuesday, instead of doing our few hour staff meeting, we're going to be out and about and we're going to be serving people because there is a lot to do in the coming weeks. Here's the other thing that I want you to know is that our rink that had been turned into a to a shelter. All those who are at Lyman, who were sheltering at Lyman High School, they have been moved over to the rink, but we have gotten word that everybody should be out and be able to return to their place by the end of today. I mean, we were even housing pets in there, like dogs and even cats. We even let cats in the building. There's my jovial self back. Yeah, cats. But what I I, I want you to know too, though, is uh, this weekend we we do want to give towards the relief efforts financially and so the financial the financial relief will go to our disaster relief team it will go through any of the projects that we need money on that we're helping to clean up it will actually go to benevolence to assist people in the coming days and weeks that will need help. And then it will also, any, any leftover funds that we have from that will go to organizations that are helping with the statewide recovery efforts. And you say, Josh, well, how can, how can we give? Uh, cash. I, I know that's a thing that many people don't have. Like, anytime I have cash, my, my kids spend it all somehow. But if you have cash, you can put it in any one of the giving stations that we have. And all loose cash today will go to the giving relief. You can write a check, and in the memo line, put hurricane relief. And then you can go. If you don't have a check or you don't have a cash, and you want to go online, then you can go online. And when when you have the opportunity, and you click a drop down menu, you can actually put hurricane relief there. And then also, all proceeds from the cafe today. So you can go and you can buy whatever you want to buy at the cafe that we have available. And if you want to give more than whatever that that product is, then all proceeds from the cafe will go to relief efforts. But rest assured that we are truly being the hands and feet of Jesus at this time of need that many people and... Our county and the surrounding counties and throughout our state, they're in need of. And what better way to really talk about mission uh, than to talk about it in the context of, of us having mobilized yesterday, today, and for the next several weeks. As many of you know, we are, we are in our series, Made for Mission, and we're nearing the end of that series And my my hope and prayer is that you will have seen, if you have been part of this series, that you will have seen and you will have come to understand that God has been on mission since the very beginning. Since Genesis 1, God has been on mission. And his mission in Genesis 1 was to create a people for himself to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. But Adam and Eve, they blew it. They sinned, they disobeyed. And then there was an iteration of God's mission where now he is on mission to redeem He's got to purchase their sin debt. He's got to redeem them. He's got to deliver them from their sin. And so now God has a mission to redeem a people to reflect Him and to reflect His glory in all spheres of life. But then as the story unfolds, we see that there, there's the creation of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group. And so now God's mission takes a third iteration. Now God is on mission to redeem a people from all peoples, from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group, so that they might reflect his glory as one people in all spheres of life. And now today we we come to a familiar passage, Matthew 28. Everybody say Matthew 28. It's a very familiar passage in God's mission. And I love to ask this when I'm teaching mission to a group of students. I always like to ask, what is god's mission and then where is god's mission first seen now most people when i asked them that question over the last several years they would say god's mission is to make disciples and i would go well that's part of it but that's not its entirety and then they would actually say well where we first see that is in matthew 28 god's mission is first seen in matthew 28 and then i would ask them well what was god doing in the old testament And so Matthew 28 has been a, maybe a confusing passage for many people because they have not understood Matthew 28 in the context of God's mission from beginning to end. I'll help you out. I'll give you an example. As many of you know that I'm training for a full Ironman. Some of you are like, what's a full Ironman? Well, full Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a marathon after that. And you do that in one day. I know you're like, you crazy. I know I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I'm your pastor too. So uh, just think about that. I'm a crazy pastor. Now, I remember years ago when I got involved in triathlons, I was going to do a half Ironman. You say, what's a half Ironman? It's half of the full. So it's a 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike ride, and a 13.1 mile run. And I remember that I, you know I didn't really know what I was doing. A, a neighbor a neighbor got me involved in it, and I just started exercising. I thought I'll just increase my exercise load. I'll just keep exercising. I'll do a lot of hours of exercise and preparing for this race. Well, I remember years ago when I did my first half Ironman. I finished. I went to I went to the backdrop where they take pictures, and I smiled and I held up my little my my, my little medal that I, I finished. But then when I got to my family, I just fell out. I mean, I started cramping in my calves. I, I couldn't really breathe. I had my, it was in Chattanooga and it was really hot that day. And I had my kids like, you know, spraying me with a water bottle because I was just overheated. And I mean, I, I was just exhausted and, but I had so much fun. I really did. I had so much fun. And I told my wife, I'm like, I'm going to do a full the year I turned 40. And she's like, well, if you do a full, you better learn a little bit more about endurance training because you won't make it. (laughs) So, And so that's one of the things my wife is so worried about on November 5th is that I just won't, I I won't have learned everything that I needed to learn about endurance training to, to make it to the end. But what I have been doing over the last year, I've been learning so much about endurance training that it's not just, you know, it's not enough just to get on the bike and just pedal for hours on end. It's not just enough to go and and run as many miles as you possibly can. There's a science to endurance training. And so what I've actually learned is a a more in-depth understanding of how one can train their body to run, to bike, to swim so much in a given setting. Well, what we are going to do today is we're going to go in-depth to Matthew 28. And we're going to uncover the depths of Matthew 28. And hopefully you will learn some things about Matthew 28. Twenty-eight That you've never seen before even if you've been in church all your life. So you ready to learn this morning? Yeah. All right, good. So here's the main point that we're going to flesh out today The Great Commission because that's what many people would say when they think of Matthew 28. Oh, it's the Great Commission so the Great Commission isn't the beginning of God's mission. It is the continuation of it, and it reveals the church's participation in it. So the Great Commission, it's a continuation of God's mission from what he started in the very beginning, and now it reveals the church's participation in God's mission. So with that said, would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? So first and fifth graders, let me just share why we're standing we believe that the Bible was written by God. It was inspired by God. And because God is our king, we believe that when we read the word, that the king is speaking to us. And so we are honoring the king and his words as he speaks to us this morning. And so here is where we pick up. Matthew 28, verse 18, this is after Jesus has died. This is after he has been raised from the dead. The 11 disciples come and gather with him on this mountain. You say, I thought there were 12 disciples. Well, there were. But Judas betrayed Jesus and he hung himself because of so much shame and guilt. And so there's just 11 of them right now. And here's what Jesus tells the 11. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of what? Not just Longwood, not just Sanford, not just Lake Mary, not just Orlando, not just Alamonte. Yeah, Alamonte. I see. I like that. Yeah. Anyways. That's why I stopped. <laughs> so, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them. Teaching them to What? obey some things say that again all right first and fifth graders help me what's that word everything or all things in some translations and then he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would be glorified. Jesus, may you be the center of this message. And Spirit, will you work in power and drawing people to King Jesus? Will you work in power, Spirit, crafting and molding us more into the image of our King that we might reflect our Father's glory? And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen, you may be seated. All right, so we are dividing this message into two main parts the continuation of God's mission and then Northland's participation in God's mission. So let's look at the continuation of God's mission. I'm gonna be connecting some dots here, all right? So connect connect a dot right here. All right, so so we start out in verse 18 when Jesus speaks, he says, All authority, everybody say all authority. That is kingdom language. You remember back in Genesis when God created man in his image. He tells mankind that I want you to exercise dominion over the created order. So he gives to Adam and Eve dominion, rule, authority, power. And what Jesus is saying now, all authority has been given unto me. All dominion, all power, all rule has been given unto me. Now, now, what is that meaning? All right, so think about what Jesus' death did in his resurrection. He purchased our redemption. He purchased our sin debt. And then also because the created order was in chaos because of our sin, he has purchased redemption for the entire created order. And so what he is saying because of my death and my resurrection, God has given me all authority, not only in the world, but all the peoples in the world. Because I've purchased their sin debt. I have purchased redemption. I have purchased deliverance. I have purchased freedom. I want you to realize, church, If you don't, even if you're here and you're not even part of the church, you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross to purchase your sin debt. He died on the cross so that you might be free, so that you might be shame-free, that you might be guilt-free, that you might be sin-free, because he has taken upon him himself the wrath of God and as a result of his death and his resurrection now God the father has given him all authority in not only heaven but also earth he is the king of all creation but 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 notice the scope of his authority it is in heaven and on earth and we know from genesis that there would be enmity between mankind and the serpent and satan and we know that the Bible teaches that Satan has has been allowed to roam the earth and he is the prince of darkness. He represents the kingdom of man who attempts to steal, kill, and destroy. But we also know that at, at some point, because the Bible tells us, that there would be an offspring of Eve that would come and crush the head of Satan. When Jesus says all the authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth, what he is saying is I have crushed the head of Satan. Satan. He's no longer in charge. I'm in charge. And then he tells his disciples, I've accomplished this. And I have brought about a reversal of the curse of sin. And I have begun the cosmic renovation. So think about it. Think about all the renovations and the restoration projects and and the relief efforts that that are happening right now because of the devastation of Hurricane Ian. Because of the devastation of the hurricane of sin, Jesus has come in and he has made purchase with his blood so that he can start about the cosmic renovation process. And so if you are a believer today and you trust in Jesus, he is in the process of making you new. All authority has been given unto him for him to do just this. And so, at the very end of the day, because all authority has been given unto Jesus, guess what that means? He has the authority to boss us around. Don't you think about that? Because I know, I know we live in a culture, they don't like to be bossed around. Don't you tell me what to do. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus can tell you what to do. He is the king Of the cosmos. He is the king of the world. He is king of planet earth and of heaven because of his death and his resurrection. The second thing that we see here is make disciples. So all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I'm about to boss you around, Jesus says. I want you to go make disciples. So he's bossing now. His disciples are saying, I want you to make disciples. Now, here's what's interesting. Go is not the imperative. So when we, when we look at it in English, we're thinking, oh, go, that's this imperative verb. You need to go. Well, that's not the imperative. Guess what the imperative is? Make disciples. So what Jesus is saying, as you live, as you live sent, as you go, I want you to make disciples. Now, I want to stress this because I think it's so important today in our society. The imperative was not given to individuals, but the community of Jesus' followers. I'm trying to stress here that Christianity is not an individualized religion, What Christianity is, is the people of God being formed by the word of God in order to reflect the glory of God, all made possible by the death of Jesus and his resurrection. Like, for instance, think about when Jesus talks about the parable of the one lost sheep. So the shepherd leaves the 99 to go search for the what? And when he finds the one, does he bring the one back into its own little sheep pen? Oh, little one little sheep, have fun in your one little sheep pen. No! (laughs) Brings them back to the 99. And so when you come to faith in Jesus, you are incorporated into, you are grafted into the people of God. Making disciples isn't about making converts and leaving them to themselves, but growing and expanding the family of God. Now, what does disciple mean, Josh? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad that you asked that. A disciple simply means pupil and learner. Where's my first and fifth graders at? Can you say pupil? Pupil, yeah. And can you say learner? So that's what a disciple is. It's a pupil and learner. Now, here's what's fascinating. During that time, what would happen is that you would have individuals, and they they would be following all these rabbis and teachers on TikTok, and Instagram and Facebook. And so they would watch all of these, these rabbis, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, and like, oh man, you know, get on their website and see what kind of rabbi and teacher they were. And they're like, man, this is a fascinating rabbi. This is a fascinating teacher to sit under. Let's go to him. So, so a disciple would go to a master, go to a rabbi, go to a teacher, it's like, I really like you. I want to be your pupil. I want to be your learner. So the pupil would choose the master. Is that how Jesus operated? No, he actually operated in a different way. What he said is that I'm going to go find my pupils. I'm going to go find my learners. And what's so fascinating about Jesus is that he doesn't pick the people that you think he would pick. And so he's going to these these rough rednecks. He's going to these fishermen. He's going to these zealots. He's going to all, I mean, of these people that, you, again, you would never think that they would be the pupil and the learner of the cosmic king of the universe. But Jesus is going and he's saying, I want you to be my disciple. If you are here today and you know Jesus, Jesus came to you. Jesus chose you. Jesus said, I want you to be my pupil. I want you to be my learner and I want you to come learn from me. Now, I think it's also, I think it's also important to connect the idea of disciple to creation because in Genesis everybody say Genesis Genesis. so what you see in Genesis one is that God is making things and he made mankind in his image and what we are seeing here is that now it's the dawn of new creation Because now Jesus is going to work and he's sending out his followers to make disciples to be part of the new creation process. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, guess what the Bible says you are? You are a new creation. You are a new creature in Christ. He has made you through his blood and his resurrection. And so making disciples is part of this new creation. Now, Here's another thing that I want to define is discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. I think it's, very, it's a very foggy thing today. It's a very muddy thing today in many church circles. Like, what is discipleship? Because I have people all the time, well, I just want to go to a church that has deep discipleship, deep discipleship. I'm like, what's well, discipleship? Because you don't know what you want until you define what you want. And so what is deep discipleship? And let me just say this, way, because I haven't said this in any of the gatherings, and so what well, you're welcome. But I always find it interesting when people say, I just want to go deeper, I just want to go deeper. You ever heard anybody anybody ever heard that? I just wanna go deeper. And what they typically mean by, I just wanna go deeper in discipleship is I just just wanna learn more information. I just wanna learn more Bible. I wanna learn more Greek. I wanna learn more Hebrew. I wanna learn all the nuances there in the Bible. Let me tell you what it means to go deeper in discipleship. Here, let me define discipleship first. Ready? Here it is. Discipleship is this. It's the process of learning what it means to be human after the image and likeness of Jesus. Hey, like, yeah, yeah, you can clap for that if you want to. You want to clap for that? But here, here's the thing. It's the process of learning what it means to be human because Jesus was the better Adam. See, Adam failed. God told him, God told him, here's what I want you to do. He failed at it. He disobeyed. Jesus, he was the god man who fully obeyed God, and therefore he he became the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And now if we really want to learn what it means to be human, what it what it what it means to be an image-bearer of God, then we need to look to our master. We need to look to our rabbi. We need to look to our king, King Jesus, and learn from him of what it means to be human after his image and in his likeness so therefore the deeper the, here's the thing the deeper you go in discipleship the more you look like Jesus not the more Bible in some sense you know like some of some some people use deeper discipleship as a cop-out because they don't want to explore the depths of the gospel of what it truly means to die to yourself and live to Jesus I'm preaching there Who whoo uh, If you're here, yeah, if you're here and this is the first time, I just, that was preaching there. (laughs) And so Jesus commands based upon his authority and what he has accomplished through his death and resurrection that his followers engage in the new creation process of making a new humanity. Church, we are a new humanity. That is why we are different from the world, because we're part of this new creation process. So we have all authority... Make disciples of what? Of what? All nations. Now this shouldn't surprise us since Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant God made with Abraham. Remember in Genesis 12 that God promises Abraham that through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group will be blessed through the line of Abraham. And here's what Jesus is doing. He is connecting what he's sending his disciples to do with what God had promised Abraham. Them. And so now he is sending them out throughout the entire world. So the scope of God's mission is to all peoples every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language. If you want to know why that Northland Church is involved all over the world. We have over 50 mission partners all over the world. The reason why is because of what Jesus told his disciples. I want you to make disciples of all nations. So we are, we, everyone is sent everywhere. And so therefore Jesus' church is multinational, multi-ethnic, and it's multicultural. That is the reason why too that we want a church that looks like our community because Jesus is not just for white people. Jesus is not just for black people. And Jesus is not just for brown people. He's for all people. And we will have a church for all people because of the scope of God's mission. And so we have of all nations. And then what do we do when we get there? Baptizing and teaching. Teaching. So this is identity and formation or identity and function. Now, baptism comes from the word baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. All right. You just said a Greek word. Congratulations. So baptizo, it means wash, plunge, dip, or immerse. Baptism was the means by which Jesus identified with humanity. Jesus was baptized. Now, he wasn't baptized because he was a sinner. Jesus was baptized because he was identifying with sinners. But don't miss this. Now, why we get baptized, it's our way of identifying with Jesus. But also, I don't want you to miss this. Notice the name in which Jesus tells them to baptize followers in. In the name of the? And the? And uh, if you go all the way back to Genesis 1, that's the first chapter in the Bible, what you will see is that the Trinity was involved in creation. So let us make man in our own image. You, you see the Father there. You see the Spirit hovering, and then he speaks. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit involved there at the very beginning in the creation process. Here, once again, Jesus is connecting what he has accomplished to new creation. You see, God the Father is the mastermind and the architect of new creation. God the Son is the Word that brings about creation and gives shape to it god the holy spirit brings an awakening and a drawing power to respond to the word and to learn and lean into new creation and so when you are baptized you are identifying with jesus that i am a new creature in christ so in just a few moments we have the baptism waters here there's nothing magical about these waters Like if you come into these waters and you are baptized, you don't have any special powers where you can do any kind of enchantment. No, these waters are symbolic. And here's the reason why we practice baptism through immersion and through plunging is because we are identifying with what our king did. He died. So that's the reason why we put people under. They are dying to themselves. They are dying to their sin. We don't hold them there so that they can physically but we let them back up, and their coming out of the water represents the cleansing effect of Jesus and how they are now restored and reconciled to God into this newness of life. That's baptism. And that's why we ask everyone, that is your first act of obedience as a follower of Jesus, because you are publicly declaring, I follow Jesus. He's my boss. He's my king. He's my master. He's my God. There's no one other but King Jesus, and I'm publicly identifying with him, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, also, he says, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, which speaks of formation and function. How many of you were here when I preached on Genesis 1, 26 through 28? I just want to see a show of hands. All right, so all right. I gave a formula in gen- you know, from Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Identity, which is who you are, plus function, what you do, equals image, who you reflect. We also saw this in Exodus 19. God says you are my treasured possession. That is who you are. Now I want you to function as my kingdom of priest and a holy nation. We have that same formula here. Baptism, this is who I am. I am a child of the king. I am a follower of Christ. I'm part of the kingdom of God. That is who I am but then Jesus says I want you to teach them everything that I have commanded you which is now this function this is how you ought to live and so your identity plus your function equals image that you ought to be reflecting the image of God in every sphere of life which is why the church should be different than the world in every relationship that they hold and how they approach culture and cultural creation and how they operate under the stewardship and the lordship of King Jesus. Why? Because we're teaching them what it means to function as this image bearer of God that has been redeemed by Jesus Christ. Man, I am preaching some theology up here and I'm getting excited about it. I'm so excited. I love teaching the Bible. Hope you love listening to it as much as I love teaching it. And then he says, I'm with you always. Jesus promises them his presence. I'll be with you, I'll go with you. Know this, people, God has always wanted to dwell with his people, he wanted to be present. He wanted to be present in the garden. He was present there in Israel with the tabernacle on the temple. And now he's like, I'm with you, I'm with you. And I can't wait to go buck wild next week when I talk about the spirit in Acts one. I, once again, buck wild. I have some teenagers that love when I say buck wild, buckwild, wild, buck wild, buck wild, buck wild. That's next week, Acts one. Uh, <laughs> but there's a, but, but have you ever thought about, like, like what does Jesus's presence bring? Like, how do I know that Jesus is there? Power is always present with Jesus. Provision. It's always present with Jesus. Peace is always present with Jesus. Protection is always present with Jesus. And promise or hope is always present with Jesus. That's the reason why, church, listen. If you have gone through a very difficult time this past week, if you've lost your house or if you've lost your materials, you can still have the peace of God that transcends all understanding because Jesus is with you. That's different from the world. Sure, they may have All State, they may have State Farm, but you got Jesus. That's tweetable there. <laughs> I'm having fun. All right. And then he says, then he says until the end of the age. Oh, don't, don't Oh, there is a preset time that God has given between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. The Bible teaches that Jesus will come twice. He came the first time to die for the sin of the world, and he was raised from the dead. But then the Bible teaches that Jesus will come a second time, and he will fully institute his kingdom. So, so we are living, as scholars say, between the times of the already kingdom of God. It's in breaking and is being reflected in the church, but it will be at some point the already, but not yet. But not yet. It's coming, but not yet. And so there, there's coming a day when the wolf will lay with the lamb. There's coming a day when a little child can play with a cobra and an adder. I still don't know why a child wants to play with a cobra or adder, but in the when when God's kingdom is fully instituted, you don't have to worry about anything attacking you. You don't have to worry about the animal kingdom responding to you in a negative way. In the, in the consummated, fully instituted kingdom, there will be no more war, no more division. The nations, every tribe every nation every tongue every people group will stream into jerusalem which we'll see in a couple of weeks so it's the already but not yet so here's my word to believers and unbelievers come in for this believers just hold tight a little while longer just hold tight a little while longer he's coming our king's coming Unbelievers, you don't have unlimited time. You're not promised tomorrow. And what God has done in Jesus is tell you how much He loved you, that He sent His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So I'll be with you until the end of the age. And at the end of the age, that will be the beginning of eternity. So what's Northland's participation in God's mission? And here's what I I want to point you to. We have started an Extra Takes podcast where we just go a little bit more in depth to the message. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more about these things this coming week on our podcast. But I want to give you five ways that Northland will participate in God's mission as Jesus revealed it to his disciples over 2,000 years ago. Number one, we will take our marching orders from Jesus. Now, I've been a pastor for years and i always get suggestions. And sometimes they're not even suggestions, they're more commands. You need to... Listen, I'm all for suggestions. I'm all for feedback. But at the end of the day, we're gonna take our marching orders from Jesus. Amen. So I just thought I might tell you that because that's where that's what he's saying. All authority in heaven and all earth has been given unto me. So so here's the other thing. Like, I want to hear him do this. I want to see him do this. I want to say I like mean, listen, hey, at the end of the day, I answer, you answer, we answer to Jesus. So I want to please him. And I do think that there are a lot of pastors out there that are so stressed out because they're so worried about pleasing their people and not their king. And I'm more worried about pleasing him. Amen. But I, but in pleasing him, I'm going to love you sacrificially. Just FYI. Just want you to know that. That's why I hold my tongue. Not <laughs> Jack. I'm just playing, just playing. All right, number number one. Number two, we will go to neighbors and nations. Like, that's what we will do. Oh, one of my mentors years ago taught me this. The light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. Like, I had one of my kids this past week. They were talking about how they want to go to Dominican Republic and serve kids. And I'm like, that's really good. But until you start serving kids here, you're not going to serve kids there in the Dominican Republic. Like, you know, so, so many people, they like, yeah, I'll go overseas to tell people about Jesus. Well, have you told anybody here? Well, hey, listen. How you gonna do over there? What you're not willing to do over here? Anyways. And you're like, well, what's our strategy? I'm so glad you asked. In 2023, at the very beginning of 2023, we will have a vision series and I will spend a lot of time outlining our strategy to our neighbors and our nations. Can't wait for that. Number three, this is good. Ooh, this is good. Elbow your neighbor, this is good, right here, right here. We will make disciples through creating a discipleship strategy around identification and formation. Now I've got a chart behind me. Here's identification. We will invite people through evangelism. We will evangelize! And what is evangelism, Josh? Well, here's what evangelism is. It's inviting people into the good news story of King Jesus who is in the process of making all things new. Once again, evangelism is inviting people into the good news story of King Jesus who is in the process of making all things new, which means every single person that we will invite, they have a bad news story. It's a bad news story, which is why... Jesus' story is the good news. It's in breaking into the bad. And so we're inviting people. And in. here's the thing. If you, if you answer that invitation, guess what will happen? There will be a call to repentance. Here's what that means. You will have a change of mind. And, and here's the change of mind. It's not just God plus me. No, it is God and only God. And I'm under God. It's not like God. God's my co-pilot. No, God's not your co-pilot. He's the pilot. And so it's a call to repentance that you are now surrendering to King Jesus and then the identification is obeying through baptism. Then formation, oh, this is good. Formation, the word of God is the tool. I want you to think about this. In Genesis 1, God, he creates through his word and then he brings shape and formation through his word. And in the New Testament, in John chapter one, we see that Jesus was the word of God and so that is the reason why I am a preacher of the word of God and I will be preaching 30 35, 40, 45 50, maybe sometimes 55 minutes on the word, why? You say, this is too long. Let me ask you this. If, 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 if you knew that the Word of God brings shape and formation to your life so that you can be a better human being, so that you can be a better husband, so that you can be a better father, so that you can be a better employee, so that you can be a better worker, so that you can be a better just human being, why wouldn't you want more Word? formation the word of god the environment is the community of god you will never find god shaping and forming people outside of his community never old testament new testament that is the reason why man i'm hounding 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 the church as a community that you need to be a part and if you don't want to be part of a large church i get it but you need to be part of a church, a community. This is the environment by which you are shaped and formed. And then practices. These are exercises that strengthen your faith. Like reading God's word, praying, loving your neighbor, caring for their needs, honoring your father and mother, training up your children to understand the story and the mission of God, fellowshipping with other believers, showing hospitality to those far from God, sharing Christ with those God gives you an opportunity, exercising faith even in the difficult times, suffering well, gathering corporately with the church. Like those are all practices and exercises that strengthen your faith number four we will contextualize mission and ministry to effectively disciple the nations let me just say it this way you do realize that what we do today in terms of ministry in the church was completely different than what they did in the first century The Apostle Paul and the church didn't have buildings like this, didn't have ministries like this, didn't have music, you know, instruments like this, probably didn't, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't preach from a little pub table with some Jesus juice. you like, what's Jesus juice? It's just water, (laughs) that's it. But ministry is contextualized. Here's some principles. The mission and the message never change, but the methods and the means may change. Marry the mission and the message, date the methods and the means. Hold tight to the mission and the message and hold loosely the methods and the means. You do realize that most of the time when church people get bent out of shape, it's around the method and the means, not the message and the mission. And then last but not least, and then I'm done. We will lean into the spirit and we will anticipate Jesus's return. We have to have the Spirit. We have to have the Spirit. We gotta be filled with the Spirit. If we are not filled with the Spirit, we do not have the power to do what Jesus has called us to do. And as we are filled with the Spirit, we will be focused on there, the anticipation of Jesus' return. And here's what I like to tell people. When we are focused on there, where we are going, we will live here as if we are living there. And as a result, we will demonstrate the in-breaking kingdom of God, how he is in the process of making all things new. So Matthew 28, it is the continuation of God's mission and it reveals how the church participates in it. Let's pray. And as I pray, and as you bow your head and close your eyes, those who are getting ready to be baptized, you can just come up to my left. There's a set of stairs over here. You can just come up to my left and be ready. Jesus, we do pray that we as Northland Church would participate in your mission, your mission. We're so excited and grateful that we get to be part of your mission of what you're doing and what you've been doing for a long time. And so I do pray, Spirit, you will fill us as the church to be the salt, the light that makes disciples of all nations, teaching them, teaching them to observe, to obey all that you have commanded. I pray for those who are being baptized today as they identify with Jesus. This is their really first full act of obedience as they identify, this is who I am. I pray, Spirit, that you will come upon them strong, that your presence will guide them, protect them, will will give them the things that, that they need to be fully alive and fully engaged in what you have called them to do. Will you protect them from the evil one who wants to steal, kill and destroy? Thank you for their obedience this morning and it's in your name we pray.